Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, reads, Tychicus will let you, will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, faithful minister, fellow servant of the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Verse 9, he is coming with Onesimus. Somebody say Onesimus. Says our faithful dear brother who is one of you, they will tell you everything that is happening here. Verse 10, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus. Somebody say Aristarchus. It says, sends his greetings as does Mark. Somebody say Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Justice. Also sends greetings. These are the there are these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ, Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all, in all of the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those of Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Father, I pray right now that you remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And we all said? I want to share with you in this next series, this two-part series here. A message that really impacted my life many years ago, and I want to share it with you here this morning of what I believe, because many people, they come into the church, and they figure, well, I really don't have a position in the church because I have all these issues. I really can't do all that much in the church because if people really knew everything about me, they really wouldn't let me in to their inner circle. What you need to know here this morning is that God has a position for each and every one of you. If you believe that, say amen. Oh, some of you didn't believe it. Come on, say amen. God has a position for each and every one of you. Now, I come up here with a position of wearing Giants gear. I'm wearing it right now. I'm excited about the Giants going to the World Series. I think that's pretty cool. A few years ago, I was living in Los Angeles, and the Giants went to the World Series I just got a, a van full of people. I said, let's go. I said, where are we going to go? I said, just get in the van, and we're going to drive six hours and go to the World Series. I had no tickets. I had no nothing. I just said, I'm going to go. And I wound up driving up there. Somebody gave me some tickets, and I went to the World Series just by showing up. Sometimes half the battle is you just got to show up. Just show up. It's a part of your positioning. It's who you are. Positioning sometimes is just half the battle. You got to be at your post. The root word of position is your post. Being where your giftings are, your expertise, what you're good at. Not what you're not good at. Well, I can't do what he does. I don't know why I'm trying. Well, then don't try to do that. Well, I can't be like her. Well, then don't try to be like her. Try to be what God has called you to be. Now listen, this is very important because we are human beings, not human doings. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you are in Christ. Making sure that when you fulfill and you get into your right position, every Sunday morning at 1 o'clock, this is a good position to be in. 
Every Sunday morning, this is a great place to be, but what is your position in Christ? Can you imagine if Barry Bonds were to be a pitcher? That wouldn't exactly work. Everybody knows Barry Bonds, Babe Ruth. These guys are they're, they're, they're the sluggers, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. I mean, they're, they're just awesome in what they do, but they're not supposed to pitch. They weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to be a catcher. They weren't to be, supposed to be a shortstop. They weren't, everybody else is always looking at, oh, man, they're great. Look at them. Oh, she's great. Look at her. Well, you're great, too, if you would just get in your right position. See, we talked about earlier about building a church that is going to last a legacy here within the city of Hayward and even beyond. But the only way we're going to be able to build is first, before we build any sort of a church with a structure of a building, we have to build the people here. Building you, who you are, knowing that you're in the right place at the right time on the right team. Can I hear an amen? John Wooden said it takes 10 hands to put the ball in the hoop. One of the greatest coaches of all time, not just in uh, college basketball, but in all of sports, in every coaching position, one of the greatest. John Wesley, also a great preacher, pastor, man who infiltrated countries, said, give me a hundred consecrated men, and I'm going to take the world. Give me a hundred consecrated men, and I'm going to take the world. And he pretty much did. Pretty much you can go almost anywhere, and you'll see a, find a Methodist church in that area. He pretty much conquered as best as he could according to the Methodist movement. He did a great, great job. Awesome man. Well, there was also another great man by the name of Bill Cosby. He said, give me a hundred two-year-olds, and I'll take the world. It doesn't really make any sense, but... I don't know if you're like myself. I have four children, and all of them at one time have been two. Right now, at this current time, I have a two-year-old. Have you ever tried to tell a two-year-old no? You can't. It's impossible. Even this morning, I told my daughter, don't do that. I mean, just like, oh, my gosh. It's hard. Stevie, Elijah, don't go over there. Yes, Dad. I turn around. Guess where they're at? Over there. Because that's all they know. See, what I'm talking about is a determination with people who understand who they are in Christ. When you understand who you are in Christ, then it doesn't matter what the world tells you. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings your way and tells you. You can't do that. You can't preach the gospel. You're not a pastor. You don't have a license. You're not able to do that. Why are you preaching the gospel? You shouldn't be doing that. No. I know exactly who I am in Christ. Doesn't matter what the world says, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. Here in Colossians chapter 4, there was a bunch of men that Paul wanted to recognize of understanding they knew who they were in Christ. Now, they all had different giftings, but they knew exactly who they were. See, some of you come here right now and you hear the singers up here and you go, man, I wish I could sing. Stop wishing and start being. Man, I wish I could preach like pastor. I wish I could. Stop wanting the pulpit and start just going to the street corner. See, are, are you understanding what I'm saying? Far too often we look at others' positions and we wish we had that. I wish I had this. There was a song when I was growing up. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six-form parlor. 
I don't even know how I remembered that, but I did. Everybody always has these, I wish, I wish, I wish. And the funny thing about it is that we come to church with the same mentality. I wish I could do, I wish. Stop wishing and start being. And we look at Colossians chapter 4. There's a few men here that my father called God's dream team. God's dream team. We look at the dream team here. Now, every man knew exactly what they were supposed to do. Every man understood. Now, Obviously, I'm dressed in baseball attire, so I'm going to give it to you the best way I know how in this form of lineup. And in a baseball fashion, we call it a lineup, batting first, batting second, batting third, and all the way down. That's an offensive lineup. Now, the thing about it is that every single person has a specific task and a specific uh, uh, goal that they're supposed to meet, no matter where they're at. So if you're here first, you have to do this. If you're batting fifth, you have to do this. Every person is supposed to do something. But this is the thing. The person who's batting fifth shouldn't have to do what the first person is doing. You need to know your role. Look at your neighbor and say, know your role. Batting first on God's dream team, Tychicus. Tychicus, the most expensive baseball card in all of baseball is a man by the name of Honus Wagner. It's the most expensive baseball card of memorabilia. The second most expensive is a Ty Cobb baseball card. Ty Cobb is one of the greatest hitters of all time. Actually, some people even believe he's the greatest hitter of all time. Now, if you're going to bat first, Tychicus, the word that I'm looking for here, because every man's going to have a word. That's why I'm calling this the word series. Every man has a word. The first word of Tychicus is cutting edge. Somebody say cutting edge. Say cutting edge. If you're going to bat first, you have to be a cutting edge kind of person. Now, a cutting edge person, listen to me. A cutting edge person must always sharpen their axe. Must always sharpen their axe. It doesn't come just naturally. You have to be able to sharpen your axe and continue to do what God has called you to do. These kind of people, they just make it happen. They're just out there. As you can tell, at one time within my life, I was a crazy cutting-edge guy. I just do it. I'm, I mean, I'm up here dressed in Giants gear. I'm wearing orange. Orange was, I thought, the ugliest color of all time. Now, all of a sudden, I'm wearing it like I'm in Halloween, a pumpkin or something. But if you're going to bat first, you got to be on the cutting edge. You have to be able to make things happen. you got to just be able to go in and say, okay, I assess the situation. I see what's going on. Okay, let's do this for the honor and glory of God. While others are like, wait, 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 oh, hold on. Let's kind of check the temperature of what is going on here. Let's really... No, Tychicus guys, they just go in. All right, we're going to make it happen. What are we going to do? I have no idea. How are we going to do it? I have no idea. What are we going to do? I still have no idea, but we're doing something for God. Tychicus was that kind of guy. He got in there and he said, we are ready to make something happen. Somebody once said, a leader who is not fired with enthusiasm should be fired with enthusiasm. 
Because if you're going to bat first on God's dream team, there has to be a fire with inside of you. Like Jeremiah said, he said, it's like a fire that is shut up in my bones. I can't contain this. I have to tell somebody. See, some of you, you never come behind this pulpit, but you preach more than I do. Why? Because you're out there on the streets. You're out there at your job. You're out there with your family. Your family is so sick and tired of you already. They're like, shut up. Let me drink my beer. And you're like, oh, no, you ain't drinking that beer. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus loves you. I know Jesus loves me. No, no, no. You don't know. I'm telling you right now. Put down the beer. I mean, like, that's a cutting-edge person. You're going to put down the beer. You're going to put down the cigarette, and Jesus is going to change your life. Oh, my God. But a cutting-edge person doesn't care. There's a fire that is shut up in my bones. I can't contain it. There's nothing that I can do about it. God has given me this thing, and I want to share it with somebody. Can I hear an Amen. The Bible says that Tychicus knew everything about Paul. He knew all about Paul. See, the thing about Tychicus is that you got to be very careful with the spirits that follow follow your pastor. Now, if you're going to be a cutting-edge guy, you're going to be cutting through a lot of things. That's what cutting-edge people do. They just cut through, cut through, cut through. Now, if you're going to cut through, you got to just remember that the spirits that follow your pastor, they can cut you if you're not careful. See, I know a lot of times, I've even heard it before, people come and they say, man, pastor, uh, I, I want to do that. I want to do what you're doing. Listen, the Bible says that is great that you would desire a noble, you have noble aspirations. That's good. Continue to pursue it, but also just be careful. You got to be real careful. And Tychicus was a guy who understood what it was to be very careful. Because when they look at it, and a lot of times it's, it's funny because the, the world's perception of what pastors and, and spiritual leaders do, they have this certain perception about, oh, man, it's all great. Oh, it's all awesome. Uh, it's not all that great that you think it is. But Tychicus understood that. Tychicus knew it, and he was very careful of what happened when he followed his pastor. See, because a lot of times, believe me, I've seen a lot of people, they come and they say, oh, pastor, Excuse me, I'm behind you. I'm right here with you. All right, good. That's great. Okay, next week we're going to be over here. Okay, let's go. And we come, and they come with me next week. I said, all right, let's do it. Then the following week, okay, let's go over here. Then they come, and we do it. Then in church service, all of a sudden we're shaking hands. And by accident, for whatever reason, I don't know, the pastor, I forget to shake their hand. Oh, the pastor didn't shake my hand. Oh, see, forget it. I knew it. He He doesn't love me like I thought. He loved me. See, A lot of times we think it's a physical thing. It's not physical. It's spiritual. The spiritual battle that goes beyond what you see with your natural eyes. And the Bible says that Tychicus knew all about Paul. He knew everything. And yet, still knowing everything, he backed his play, didn't play behind his back. He stood there with him. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to come close to me. You're going to come close to uh, even some of the ministers and pastors. And you see them at a certain level. And you go, man, they're great. And all of a sudden, you kick back with us one day. And you see how crazy my kids are. And all of a sudden, I discipline them. Oh, my gosh, he disciplines his kids like that. That's crazy. I have four kids. God's working on me. And while God's working on me, I'm working on them. See, like, I'll tell you right now, I know a lot of people in the philosophy of the world right now, they don't believe in spanking their children. I do. If you don't, you're going to have a hard time coming around me. I spank my kids, and I teach them. Now, know this. After I spank my children, I tell them I love them. 
Now, for some of you, you may think, oh, that's not love. Well, then really, you really don't understand what true love is. Study the word of God. He under, God loves those. He disciplines those he loves. It's a part of it. So see, but if you're not ready, you'll see certain things when you come around. And believe me, I, I've seen it a lot of times. Even one time, uh, I was on, uh, on Facebook, and I, as I was, you know, writing out, you know, I do little quotes here and there. And then somebody found me, and they go, oh, my gosh, pastor, you have a Facebook? Yes. Send. Yeah, I got a Facebook. What? I mean, there's just like a bunch of little things that, that you need to know. Listen, I'm normal just like every one of you. Or should I say not normal like every one of you? <laughs> but in the normal sense of the context, you understand what I'm saying. It's, I'm just like you. See, Tychicus understood if you're going to follow the apostle Paul, you're going to go through some battles that you don't normally go through. It's not a normal thing. That's why a lot of times I love it whenever I hear the men in the home, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to be a teacher. Oh, man, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take a city. I love when I hear that. But you know what I love even more? When they're actually pursuing what they're saying. Because then that tells me, you don't have to explain everything to me. I could just tell by your battle scars. He's been around. I could tell. I can always tell. Whenever I step on the field, whether it's on football, basketball, baseball, the moment somebody has a ball in their hand, I can tell how long they've been playing ball. Because I've been playing ball almost all my life. So I can tell when somebody else, because you, you ever have those people, they talk a lot before they get on the court. Oh, dude, I'm going to ball you up, dog. I'm going to ball you. I'm a baller. I, mean, you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen those guys. I know I'm talking sports, but ladies, stay with me. They're, they're just, I'm, I'm a ball. They do all this stuff, and, I mean, they talk really good. Now, if you've ever seen these guys, they come with the shorts. I'm talking about basketball court. They got the shoes. I mean, they got, they took Michael Jordan's shoes off of his feet directly, and they put them on him, and, you know, and they got the headband like LeBron James, and they're like, what? I mean, they're out there ready to go, and they're like, all right, give me the rock, 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 and you give them the rock, and they're horrible. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Dude, you talk a huge game, but you can't play for nothing. Tychicus was a guy who didn't talk a huge game, but he could if he wanted to because he's been able to be there with the Michael Jordan. He was right there next to Barry Bonds. He was right there next to Billy Graham. He was right there next to the Apostle Paul. And even though he was with them, he knew everything about Paul. The good, the bad, and even the ugly. And yet he still was there. See, Tychicus, being a cutting-edge kind of guy, he understood what it was like to be a thermostat Christian and not a thermometer Christian. A thermometer Christian always, when you go into the situation, the situation tells you how your attitude is going to be. Rather than a thermostat, a thermostat Christian will go into a situation and you will dictate what the situation is going to, what's going to happen with that. You're not allowing everybody else and all their attitudes. Listen, I understand what it's like many times. You go in and the, the biggest place that I can think of, there's not a lot of places that frustrate me. I'm going to be very honest. There's been a lot of things my wife can tell you. People tell me this and tell me that. Blah, blah, blah. What about this? I'm passing around. What is it then? My family, they come out. And really, I'm like, all right, that's cool. That's fine. And then, You're not mad. You're not upset. But there is one place that I'm just like, oh, Lord, I need you to help me, Jesus. 
Oh, God, I'm driving my car. Help me not to drive it into the DMV, Lord. I need you, Jesus. The DMV, I don't know what it is. There are spirits that hover around the DMV. I can be in the longest line in traffic. I'm perfectly fine. I can be in the longest line at Great America and whatever. I could be at the longest line in food, whatever. But the DMV, you're just like, oh, my gosh, Lord, what is it? Okay, I'm the only one. You guys are looking at me like I'm the only one. So, all right. Please tell me, is there anybody else that understands what my, okay, thank you. All right, okay, good. I felt lonely there for a second. I got convicted one time when I went to the DMV. And I was there. It's just the DMV frustrates you. It just frustrates you. You're there in line. And they give you, the, the lady gave me a number, and then I told her, after she gave me the number, I go, okay, so this is for, you know, the licensing. She goes, oh, you didn't say that. I go, well, yeah. They go, oh, no, I got to give you another number. And she gave me another number that was, like, even further back. I go, can I keep the other one? She goes, no. Next. I was like, oh, Jesus, be the center of the DMV. And I got convicted because I was, as I was there, I seen a person with a shirt that says, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. And I went, oh, my gosh. I just got convicted by a person I've never met, and I'm looking at their shirt. And I was like, oh, man. Because what happened was I became a thermometer rather than a thermostat. See, some of you, you go into situations and things are taken from you. Things are moved around. There's a book, a great book, by the way, called Who Moved My Cheese? Well, they moved this and they moved that. I didn't tell them to do this. Who said to do that? Who did it? I didn't. And then all of a sudden, you, the, the, the situation starts dic- dictating your attitude. See, but Tychicus understood. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow no one or nothing to dictate what God has given me. I'm going to be a man after his heart. If you're going to bat first, you've got to be on the cutting edge. Somebody say cutting edge. The second one. I'm going really quick because actually I told you there's two parts. I'm just going to give you three. The second one is Onesimus. Onesimus. Now, if you're going to bat second on God's dream team, you have to be able to, this is the word, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. Now, batting second is very strategic on God's dream team. Because when, if the first runner gets on, the role of the second person is you will get no fanfare. You will get no recognition. Like very little if you do. If anything, you'll get recognition when you come into the bullpen and you get a high five. Great job, great job, great job. Okay, next. Because the sacrificial person doesn't get a whole lot of recognition. Matter of fact, I can think of the greatest sacrifice of all and they didn't recognize him at all. They got no recognition. They didn't get nothing. But if you're going to bat second, you have to learn how to sacrifice. See, sacrifice really helps you in understanding in your relationship with Christ. And what will help you sacrifice, especially if we're talking sports here, there's a thing that we call before the regular season, it's called spring training. And in spring training, this is where you're going to learn how to sacrifice. It's where you're going to learn how to be able to do the things that God has called you to do. With us, we call it life groups. When you get involved in life groups, you could start learning little by little by little. 
I remember the first time I was in life group and they asked me to bring uh, juice and sodas. First time they asked me to bring juice and sodas, I was still a teenager. Now, mind you, I'm a teenager. What does teenagers usually get their money from? Mom and dad. So I'll never forget this. I was like, okay. I was pumped. I was excited, though. I was excited. I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. So they go, okay, bring the, the sodas and the waters. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I go home. What's the first thing I do? Mom, dad, give me some money. Guess what my mom and dad did? High five. Should I say, my dad, my dad, he goes, what do you need the money for? I said, oh, I'm, I'm bringing the waters and the, the sodas of life group. He goes, all right, great. I go, so give me some money. He goes, no, you get it yourself. But I get my money from you. He goes, no, 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 no. You need to get your trust in God. See, because to my natural mind, I went, no, I need to go to the source of who I normally get it from. This is my normal way of being. This is my normal way of doing. This is my normal. It's normal. But sacrifice gets you out of the normal, gets you out of the natural, and taps you into the supernatural. And so I'll never forget. I I can't exactly tell you how I made it happen, but I did make it happen. I didn't rob. I didn't steal. I want to make that very clear. But I made it happen, and I did it on my own. And I want you to know something. When I brought the waters and the sodas, this is the only thing I remember, was the feeling I had when I brought it there. I'll tell you what. I was, I was actually putting the sodas down, and I was asking everybody, hey, you want sodas? Do you want soda? I brought the soda. I brought the soda. You know, I was learning. I was learning. But I really was. I was like, hey, you want some soda? I got, I got you. I got you. How much soda do you want? You want that much? That much? That much? That much? I got you. All right, here you go. Don't touch the soda. Don't touch the soda. I'm passing it out. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. You want water? I got water. You want water? I got just water. You want water? I got Like, I was so excited because I made something happen that I normally never would do on my own. Sacrifice gets you into the realm of a place where you're not normal. That's why even earlier on Friday night when we said, okay, how many are ready to be not normal? Let's get a commitment to assembly of the heart. That's what pledges are. Pledges are a sacrifice. It gets you into a place where I'm not used to this. I don't normally do this. I'll, maybe I'll give a few dollars here and there, but sacrifice? That's what pledges do. They get you into a realm that you're not normally used to. Now, this is the great thing about it. Great sacrifice, you get great reward. The greatest sacrifice gave me my greatest reward, and that's salvation. Had it not been for his death, burial, and resurrection there, I wouldn't be saved today. I thank God for his sacrifice, I'm saved. See, somebody is waiting on the other side of your sacrifice. They're waiting on the other side of yours. Now, I'm not talking normal, the, the, the normal, well, I can do this and I can do that. Because remember, whenever anybody was able to do this or do that, Jesus always said, no, 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 no. They're just giving out of their wealth. This woman, she's giving out of her sacrifice. I'm going to honor that. See, the greatest sacrifice, you're going to see the greatest reward. That's what happened here with Onesimus. He was able to understand that, listen, if I'm going to bat second on God's team, I am willing to sacrifice. Listen, some of you here today, you have the gift to be able to do this. I mean, it just comes natural. It flows out of you to be able to sacrifice. Where other people go, man, that takes a lot of sacrifice. But for you, it's an attitude. You go, no, it's who I am. It's not what I do, it's who I am. It's normal. I love to sacrifice. 
So whenever, like, for, for those of you that play sports, the, uh, the third base coach, they always give you the what? They give you the signs. So whenever you hear the signs and you read the signs and they're touching and they're going here and they're giving this, and then you know, once they do that and once they do this and they go here and they touch here, after that, sacrifice. That's why whenever the, 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 the preacher or the pastor comes behind the pulpit and they say, okay, guys, here we go. It's about time. It's time to give. It's time to sacrifice. They know right away what sacrifice looks like because there's an understanding. They've been trained. Listen, some of you right now, you need to understand something. You are being trained for God's team. You're being trained for God's army. You are in his army. You are on his team. And the moment you see the signs, the moment you read the signs, and it's right there, you understand, it's my time right now. I may not get a lot of recognition. A lot of people may not know my name, but I know that God has called me to be a sacrificial man, a sacrificial woman. And when it's my time, I'm ready. God, give me the bad give me the ball I'm ready to do what you call me to do when you bat second you're willing to sacrifice batting third and lastly here this morning is Aristarchus Aristarchus the Bible says that Aristarchus was his fellow prisoner his fellow prisoner now fellow prisoner in those times, now for those of you maybe in today's times, you would call him your bunkie. Somebody there in your cell, your celly. They were there, you were in the same cell together. So if you will, Aristarchus, fellow prisoner, when they would get shackled, they would get shackled to somebody else. And so when you read the life of Paul, without going into a long line and long history of Paul, Paul was in prison a lot, Okay. So, side note, don't find it strange if you go to prison for the gospel. Just saying. Did you guys hear about that whole thing, the subpoenas with the pastors in Houston? Did anybody, did anybody not hear about that? Raise your hand if you didn't hear about that. Oh, a lot of you. Okay, let me just say this real quick. I thought it was a joke, right? I thought I was like, yeah. Because you know, on my timeline, on, on Facebook, whenever I read, certain things, they're just like fake news. They're like, ah, whatever. So I saw it, and it said, the mayor of Houston subpoenas five pastors for their sermons. I was like, that's a joke. They wouldn't do that. Like, there's no way. Well, as it came out more and more, I started watching the news. It was real. It got all the way to the Senate, the House Senate. I was like, whoa, okay, now this is serious. The mayor, she's a brand-new mayor, mayor, and she's a part of the LGBT community. She's a, she's a lesbian. She's openly gay. Not a big deal. There's a lot of openly gay mayors, a lot of openly gay advisors, politicians. That's not that huge a deal. The huge deal was that she, as the mayor, wanted to take power and authority, and she said, okay, now I'm going to ask for these pastors. She put five in specific. I want these five pastors. I want their sermon notes because I want to hear if they're talking about homosexuality. And she did it. She didn't ask. She subpoenaed. Now, there's a whole other story because, oh, I didn't know about it. But however, it was broad. Maybe we should have made it more specific. I don't want to get into grave detail. The bottom line is her office, her administration subpoenaed five pastors. Now, it got overturned really quickly because within less than 24 hours, they needed uh, 17,000 or 15,000 signatures. They got over 17,000 within like a matter of hours that said, hey, hey, you can't be doing that stuff. It's an invasion of privacy. So right away they did that. Now, so that's, it's kind of like one of those things like, okay, we're just brushing it under and it'll be fine and it's going to go away. I'll tell you right now, 
It's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. Now, I like it because one of the men here in our church, he's not here at this moment, but he was talking to me, and he said, Pastor, if they ever try to subpoena your messages, they're going to have to go through my dead body. I go, wow, that's a big body too. Yeah. That's a big guy, you know, Victor, right, Victor Romero. And Vic, you have to know this about Victor. Victor's batting second guy. He's very quiet, but just don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. And see, Victor's also just like this, Aristarchus. He knew all about Paul. He was close to him. And when he was shackled to him, the, the, the Bible says that when you're, uh, excuse me, uh, when you study the customs, when you are prisoned with somebody, you get to know a lot about them. You got to go eat with them. You got to go to wreck with them. You got to go to the restroom with them. Now, maybe not in your time, but in these times, you had to do that. You're shackled together. They will not unshackle you just so you can go off and do whatever you want to do. No, you're together. You do everything together. So the Bible says that this man did everything with the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine being shackled to David Wilkerson? Can you imagine being shackled to Pastor Sonny? Like everywhere Pastor Sonny went, you would go. That is crazy. Now, if you weren't saved before you were with Pastor Sonny, just give him less than 24 hours. You're going to get saved. I mean, you're just, you're, you're going to get saved. You cannot help it. But if you're going to be around a great man of God like that, if you're going to be around a great apostle, something's going to happen to you. Well, if something happened to Paul and he himself had a revelation, if he himself had something and he starts preaching the gospel and then all of a sudden he goes to prison and they shackle a guy next to him, well, guess what? Buddy, whatever Christ gave me, I'm giving you. Oh, man, I don't want to hear it. It doesn't matter if you don't want to hear it. I'm going to tell you everything. We're going to go. There's a guy over here. He needs a healing. He's got leprosy. Come on, let's go. Oh, man, I can't touch that guy. Well, you don't touch him. I'll touch him. And while he's touching lepers, while he's praying for people, guess who's right there watching everything? Aristarchus. Watching everything. The Bible says here that Aristarchus was a man who knew everything about Paul. Another man. See, if you're going to be around a man who has the vision, eventually you are going to catch that vision. Eventually you're going to catch that vision. Listen to me here, and I, and I close with this. This is very important for me. As you're here within Victory Outreach, I understand. Listen, I fully understand this. I fully get it. I know that there are churches that as far as the standards of the world look that are better than Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. As far as they have their own building. We don't have our own building. They have all these lights. They have all these different things. They have different stuff. Oh, they got so many different ministries. I went to one church. And I seen it. I was like, oh, my gosh. This guy had over 150 ministries. Ministries that you can be involved in. See, because when you come to this church, you come in with certain needs, and you go, oh, man, do they have this need for me? Oh, they don't have it. I'm leaving. And so we come in with that worldly mentality. Oh, okay, I'll take the number one. Oh, you're out of number one? I'm out of here. And we think the church is like Burger King. We want it our way. And when it's not our way, we say, wow, man, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm going to go down to this church where I could just do whatever I want, say whatever I want, go however I want. Nobody really cares about me. But I can say this about this church, about Victor Arch Heart of the Bay. This church is like an Aristarchus church. You stay close enough to us, you're going to get the vision. 
Now, I say that with all sincerity because, listen, this church, you'll hear from the, the moment you walk in, we reach the drug addict. We reach the gang member. We reach the homeless. We reach the hopeless. We reach the prostitute, the pimp. That's what God has called us to do. Now, when you say those words initially, which I learned growing up in the things of God, to me it was normal. But when I started talking to other people from other churches and other denominations, when I started saying that, they would look at me and go, what? And to me, I was like, well, doesn't everybody do that? That's what I thought. Like, shouldn't everybody be reaching the hurting? Shouldn't everybody be reaching the drug addict? I mean, when I read the scriptures every time, Jesus is always out there with these crazy folk. That's what I thought we were supposed to do. I like the way Mario Murillo put it. He talked about how Victory Outreach isn't, uh, isn't doing a work for God. Victory Outreach is doing the work for God. This is the work. That's what you're supposed to do. Other people call it events. They do things. We, it's us. It's who we are. Now, I say that because I myself, as you could tell, this is what I aspire to be. I wasn't aspiring to be a drug addict. I was not aspiring to be a gang member. I wasn't aspiring to go to prison and putting all these tattoos. That wasn't my aspirations. However, I was Aristarchus. I just stood next to the vision. And I stood next to the vision long enough. I'm like, hey, let's go reach the drug addict. Let's go reach the gang member. Let's go reach the down and out. Let's go reach the alcoholic. Let's go do it. While everyone else is like, wait, 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 why are you doing that? I don't know. I've been in prison with this guy. We've been together. We've been shackled together. We kick it together. You should come kick it with us too. So to me, it's normal. Aristarchus, that's what happened with him. Maybe he wasn't in prison for something. Maybe he was in prison for something he didn't do. Like maybe some of you, well, I, I wasn't that bad. I was a functional alcoholic. I was a functional drug addict. I was functional. Maybe that could have been Aristarchus. He was functional. But all of a sudden, he got next to the Apostle Paul. He said, look, I'm tired of this functionality. There's something more than this. He caught the vision. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. Listen to me, those of you who have been attending this church and you're looking for something where you're saying, uh, I'm, I'm, I want my needs to be met. Listen, your needs will be met, but you got to stay next to the vision. Stay close to the vision. And as you build the kingdom of God, trust me, God is going to build you. God will provide your every need. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. Why? Because when the righteous are in the right position, when they're in the right place, the Bible says that when the righteous are in the city, the, or excuse me, when the righteous are in position, the city will rejoice. The city will be happy when you are in the right place. When you're in the right place at the right time with the right people, then you're going to see the right things of God. Now, I want to say this as I close. I can come to the piano. This is something that has even been getting me even these past couple of days, these past, excuse me, past couple of weeks that I've been really praying about because somebody had made mention of it and I, I didn't think anything of it. it was, you know, like I said, it's normal for me. But I've really been praying about it because I've been saying, I don't understand this. God, give me a way to break this cultural thing. I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but I don't. Now, if you're here from the Bay Area, you know that, you know, we just kind of intermix with everything. We intermix cultures. 
backgrounds, ethnicities. We're just, everything is everything. Didn't really realize this until I moved down south. And when I moved down south, me and my wife were there. You know, we're from the Bay Area. We got that bay like, uh, just the bay. But all of a sudden, I'll never forget, my wife came home one day, and she was like, do you know what somebody told me? I go, what did they tell you? I guess one of the ladies went up to her and said, why do you talk black? Right? And my wife was a little shocked, like, talk black? What you mean? She's like, uh, 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 uh. But that kind of got me when I, I'll, I'll never forget that. I was just like, talk black. I didn't know a color could talk. I thought people talked. That's what I thought. I thought human beings talked. But uh, like I said, I grew up in the Bay. I get it. I fully understand. But at the same time, I don't. At the same time, I don't. Because Paul was actually trying to break this barrier a whole lot. That's why he was talking about to the Jews and to the Gentiles, always making it clear. He says, look, 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 if we're going to break this barrier down, you got to stop thinking the way that you've always thought. And so one thing that's always got me, like, I, I've, my prayer is, is that when people come to this church, they don't go, oh, um, and, yeah, it's a white church. I'm going somewhere else. Oh, this, this is, no, they got a bunch of browns. This is more of a Mexican church. Okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. You want to know what's ironic? I'm Latin. Yes, I am. I'm Latin. I don't speak any Spanish. No comprendo el burrito. I don't. When I was down there, that's what they would tell me. They go, they, they, they act. And I'm, and I'm saying this with all sincerity, you know, I'm trying to bring a point across. These were Christians that were telling me this. Dude, why you, why you act black? What is black? I don't get that. I don't understand that. It's just who I am. I don't know why you want to label. See, but the world will label that. The world will put that on you. And so a lot of times we do the same thing. Oh, okay, I want a black pastor. I want a white pastor. No, I want a brown pastor. No, I want a, 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 an Asian pastor. And so we have these categories of what has been broken down based upon language or even background. And we say, if I get this, then I'll do this for God. And so because we have these compartments and we put them there, we say, okay, as long as it fits in this, I can go and do whatever God wants me to do with this. And Paul's saying, look, these men that I got here, these men broke out of this. They broke out of it. If this church is going to grow, it's not going to be filled with just a bunch of brown folks. It's not going to be filled with a bunch of black folks. It's not going to be filled with just a bunch of white folks. It's going to be filled with folks that love God. That's it. That love God that want to pursue God. 
And I want to challenge you. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. This is the Bay Area. We have a mix of races. We have a mix uh, of cultures. We have a mix of people. And I want to challenge you. Just like Aristarchus, listen, I know that you have a background. I know that you have a certain thing that you went through. But when you get close to the vision, when you grab a hold of the things of God, everything else, it doesn't matter. Why? Because now I'm in the right place. I'm in the right position. I'm in the right post. Do what God has called me to do. It doesn't matter my background it matters what God has called me to do God just get me in put me in coach I'm ready I know I haven't been the best before I know I don't have it all together but God just give me a chance and I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready that my friend is the word series stand with me here this afternoon there's a few more, and we're going to go over them next week. But lift your hands with me here this morning, this afternoon. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Let there be Onesimus.